0: He, <laughs> old radio listening society a podcast dedicated to suspense crime and horror stories from the golden age of radio i'm eric
1: i'm tim and i'm joshua we love mysterious old time radio stories but do they stand the test of time that's what we're here to find out today we return to the listener library for a suggestion from you our mysterious listeners kate writes please play death wears a white robe from the whistler so you know what that's exactly what we're gonna do
0: The Whistler ran on CBS from 1942 to 1955. Each episode began with the Whistler's solitary footsteps accompanied by a melancholy whistle. As narrator, the Whistler used his omniscience to peer into the minds of criminals and describe their thoughts taunting them over their mistakes and taking great pleasure in their eventual downfalls.
2: Many notable actors portrayed The Whistler over the course of its 13-year run, including Joseph Kearns, Gail Gordon, and Bill Johnstone. The longest-serving Whistler and the only actor to receive an on-air credit for the role was popular radio announcer Bill Foreman. Death Wears a White Robe was written by Virginia Teal. Female writers were a rarity
1: in old-time radio, particularly in the suspense and horror genre, so I was excited to discover someone I had never heard of before. Unfortunately, after much searching, I was unable to find any additional information about Virginia Teal. Perhaps she wrote other uncredited scripts, or perhaps this episode of The Whistler was her one and only contribution to radio.
0: Now, let's listen to Death Wears a White Robe from The Whistler, originally broadcast October 1st, 1945.
2: It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices.
3: Signal gasoline. Yes, signal is the new gasoline you can prove is superior. (laughs) The Signal Oil Company and your neighborhood signal dealer bring you another curious story by The Whistler. Tonight, Death Wears a White Robe.
4: I am The Whistler. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. The cabin high on the slope of Bald Mountain had always been an important part of the marriage of Sam and Leah Wixson successful marriage on the surface. Only two people had any reason to think otherwise. One was Leah herself, and the other was her best friend, Suzanne. Leah and Sam had met at the cabin. Their romance had begun there. And one bright day in late winter, some five years afterwards, Suzanne had come to the conclusion it should properly end there. Leah could feel something coming when Suzanne engineered the invitation for herself and her husband, Harvey, for the week. Yes, Leah, you wonder what's behind those innocent eyes of Suzanne's. What's making the wheels whir in that sharp little mind as you and she and Sam approach their
5: cabin. Like there's a crust in the snow today Never make it otherwise
6: well, These snowshoes are fun Suzanne, darling, do let Sam carry that suitcase Well, he's already carrying yours and his I'm not crippled
5: Here's an idea, Leah On what? On how to win men and influence them <laughs> oh,
6: Well, if I was a strong rangy type I'd carry one for you, dear You know I'm not athletic
5: Well, a strong rangy type definitely has her points I'll stack your snowshoes over in the corner there Oh, yeah. everything seems to be just as we left it.
6: No bear?
5: <laughs> not a bear. <laughs> well, now where's the key to the shack?
6: Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful spot. I'm sick just thinking what Harvey and i missed not coming up here.
5: Well, I wanted to have you up several times. We've but...
6: just never been able to work it out, dear. Have we found?
5: No. The door's stuck a little. There
6: what a dream of a place. Sam, the fireplace. It's divine. Oh, wait till Harvey sees that.
5: Like it. I built it with my own two it's hands.
6: perfect. Did you design it, Sam? Suzanne, dear, you're positively gushing. Sam's an architect, remember?
5: Of course, Leah. She likes the fireplace. Let it go.
6: Well, I don't. Looks like a pile of bleached bones. Come on, Suzanne. Now, you and Harvey can have this room, darling. Uh, Sam, bring Suzanne's bag in here. All right. Why don't you freshen up, Susie? You look utterly ravaged. Your nose absolutely gleams. Oh, really, dear? I might pass you a helpful hint. You apparently swallowed all your lipstick with that hamburger we ate in town. <laughs> I never worry about makeup, darling. When you're on the right side of 30, it isn't so important. Or do you remember?
5: I'm taking the sled. and going to get a load of wood before dark. Oh well, Leah, you better show Suzanne where the linen closet is so she can get her bed made up. Oh,
6: can't we help?
5: Oh, no thanks.
6: Oh, Sam, what a cute bell on that sled!
5: Well, back home in Connecticut, we always had a bell on the sled that brought in the Yule log, and I thought it was a cute idea, so I put one on this. Mm-hmm.
6: You have such nice ideas, Sam. Um, where do you have to go for wood? You sure we can't help?
5: Oh, I think I can manage all right. Woodshed's about fifty yards from the house kind of inconvenient, but it was already built when we bought the property, and I haven't gotten around to moving it yet. Well, I'll see you girls later.
6: Oh, I hate to think of Sam having to drive all the way back to the city for Harvey. (laughs) Or is it that you hate to think of Harvey coming up here, Susie? You're not just a teensy bit bored with Harvey, are you? There aren't any men here now, Leah. You can skip the teensy you didn't answer me, darling. Don't judge others by yourself. What do you mean? I married for love, you know, not money. Oh, uh-huh. did you? Well, could anybody doubt it, looking at Sam? Why, oh, grant you, Sam's a oh, man. Oh, oh, you've noticed. I thought you had, dear. Yes, I'm a very lucky girl. I've often thought how discouraging it would be to be married to someone who was bald and fat and unimaginative. Even if he did have gobs of money. You're referring to Harvey? Oh, darling, I think Harvey's cute. In a pudgy sort of way. By the way, does he still take bicarbonate? Leah, I might point out that I'm not trying to eat my cake and have it too. Just what do you mean? I'm talking about your Red Cross activities. Oh, those evenings you donate to good works. Patronizing the arts. What are you talking about? Shall I come to the point? Or would you like to fence for a while you're not being clever dear well i'll try to be more specific i'm referring to the movie type you picked up at sandra gilman's the pianist picked up i hardly know him you're actually blushing (laughs) i can see it clear through that westmore number 12 i have nothing to hide your taste isn't bad at that he is fascinating and talented uh musically of course but i should think you'd worry a little of chopin after six months (laughs) It has been six months, hasn't it? You wouldn't dare. (laughs) Wouldn't I? Oh, listen, Suzanne, it's all over. Believe me, there was nothing between us. I know I was foolish. I just didn't realize what was happening. Uh Uh-huh. Sam would understand all of that, of course. You're not going to say anything, Suzanne. You can't. Sam would think all kinds of things. He wouldn't understand. He'd walk out on you, wouldn't he, Leah? He isn't the kind a woman can make a fool of. Yes, yes, don't you see it'd wreck our marriage. You wouldn't do that, that, Suzanne. You couldn't gain anything by it. We've been friends too long for that. We're... You can get off your knees now. <gasps> I hate you. <laughs> of course you do. You always have. you are just trying to get back at me. You've been waiting for a chance like this ever since Sam and I were married. You love him, don't you? You've been in love with him for years. I didn't say that. But it's true. And you think this is your opportunity. But you won't tell Sam what you found out. You won't, do you understand? My darling, you're so terribly dramatic. <laughs> How could you stop me? Well, I don't know. But I will, Suzanne. I will if I have to have to what, Leah? There's just the two of us here. And I'm the strong, rangy, athletic type. Remember? <laughs>
4: cleverly, didn't you? And he'd seemed so important to you for a while. But now, with the prospect of losing Sam staring you in the face, it's different. He'll walk out, you're sure of it, you know him too well. Suzanne holds you in the palm of her hand, Leah. The moment she chooses to open her mouth, Sam is gone forever. And with him goes everything. Money, social position, friends, Everything your calculating mind bargained for when you married him dinner you wait for the axe to fall but nothing happens. You can hardly bring yourself to look at her. That self-satisfied half-smile on her face makes you want to scream. And that night when you and Sam are finally alone...
5: Suzanne finally go to bed?
6: Yes, her lights just went out.
5: Good. Now perhaps you can let me in on it. On what? On what's been going on around here? You two have been at each other's throats all day.
6: <laughs> oh, that's just our way, dear. We've always been frank with each other
5: Too frank, I'd say I was so full of daggers for a while this afternoon I could hardly see what I was doing Come on, what is it?
6: Well, uh, Suzanne's all wrapped up in music, you know And uh, particularly Chopin Well, there's a pianist we all admire That she met personally the other day And, uh, well, we thought she wasn't being quite fair to Harvey You mean... it, It was nothing serious, of course Oh, Sam, you mustn't breathe a word of this to anyone. If either she or Harvey ever found out, I I don't know what I'd do. It's all very silly.
5: It isn't silly. It's darn serious.
6: But but you don't understand, Sam. It it was really nothing.
5: I don't care how insignificant it is. If people are talking about it, it's serious. I can hardly believe she'd do a thing like that. It just isn't like Suzanne.
6: Harvey's a little jealous.
5: Well, what's wrong with being jealous of your wife? Harvey's got a right to be jealous. I've got a right to be jealous. Thank heaven, you're not like that.
6: You mean you wouldn't understand if... Leah,
5: just don't ever give me any cause. Don't ever let me down that way. I'd... I'd...
6: You'd what, Sam?
5: It scares me. I'd I'd probably do something terrible. Sam. Just remember that, Leah. Don't ever give me a reason. Promise me.
6: All right, Sam, I promise.
4: You're sure of yourself, aren't you, Leah? That was a dangerous step to take. But it's your word against hers, after all. Perhaps you have something else in mind, something involving the day and a half the two of you will be alone in the cabin while Sam goes back to the city to pick up Harvey. They say the best defense is a first class attack. Maybe that's why you seem to have regained a little of your old self confidence the next morning as you and Suzanne go out to the shed for firewood an hour after he's gone.
6: Oh, don't stand there, Leah. Help me with the door. Take your time. We've got a day and a half. Oh,
5: Oh,
6: wonderful. What? Oh, you've got the strength of a horse. You're pretty chipper this morning, aren't you? I'm delirious with excitement. A day and a half all to ourselves. Mm, It's a grim prospect. Well, are you going to stand in a corner and rhapsodize? Or are we going to get some wood? Oh, all right. I don't see why you're fussing so about wood. There's enough in the box in the house. To last a couple of hours. I can't understand why Sam had this wood stack clear up to the rafters. Here's one that's loose. What are you doing? Look out! Madam, don't be a fool. You'll kill yourself. You want that mountain of logs to crash down oh, on don't you? Don't be ridiculous. You move those center pieces, and the whole pile will fall. Nonsense! Look out! There, you see? Nothing happened. The Lord looks out for drunks and fools, darling. Huzzies too. Wait a minute. That just about does it. I've taken about all I'm going to take from you. All home. right. You want it straight from the shoulder? and I'll give it to you that way. I said you're a no-good little hussy, I'll say it again. You've been taking Sam for a ride, and I'm going to make sure he knows all about it. Is that good enough for you? You're bluffing. Hmm, You'll see whether or not I'm bluffing. You're so jealous of Sam and me, you can't see straight. I can't say I blame you, staring at that moon-faced husband of yours across the breakfast table every morning. You're so miserable yourself, you can't stand happiness in anyone else. Well, you're not going to get anywhere. Sam will never believe you in a million years. I'm not asking him to believe me, dear. What do you mean? Sam ought to recognize your handwriting and your personal stationery readily enough. <laughs> oh, you should have known better, Leah. But you weren't quite yourself at the time, were you? What are you talking about? A letter, dated September 18th. Something about you and Arturo meeting in the lobby of the Metropole at 8 o'clock. Where is it? Oh, never mind where it is. I have it. Where did you get it? Oh, I bought it. Arturo was quite attached to it. But he had his prize. Oh, you <laughs> cheap, unscrupulous. Oh, you didn't really think I wouldn't come prepared, did you? Oh, Leah, dear, how can you be... Put down that act. Do you hear me? Put down that act. I'll kill you. Oh, oh you don't. You don't. Kill you. No, you don't. you Listen, you are. Give me that. Oh, do you hear me? Give that. Oh, there. That's better. Of course. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't. No. Do it. I'm the strong, rangy type. Remember, strong as a horse. <laughs> oh, get up from there. You're not hurt. You knocked me down. You hurt my arm. I hate you. I hate you, darling. You nauseate me. You really oh. do. I'm going out for a walk, for where the air is clean. I'll kill you for this, Susan Reiner. I'll kill you.
4: You could do it, couldn't you, Leah? There's a blind, frustrated hatred inside you that would make you capable of anything. Even murder. All that day while Suzanne is out walking, you sit alone in the living room in front of the big fireplace, staring into the embers and thinking. The two of you alone in the cabin. It would have to be perfect. The slightest indication that it wasn't an accident and you'd be done for. There simply wouldn't be any other suspect. Yes, Leah, it would have to be perfect, or it couldn't be at all. Perfect. Perfect.
6: Thinking, dear? Oh. Oh. When did you get back? Just now. I made a great to-do about slamming the door and throwing off my snowshoes, but you didn't budge an inch. What's on your mind? Nothing. Nothing. less as it should be. Where have you been? Over to the west slope and back. You should have stayed longer. Oh, You might have been caught in the storm. Storm? Don't be silly, dear. The sun was so bright on that snow, you could hardly look at it. The radio said we're in for a bad storm sometime tonight. I just turned it off. Hmm. That raises a delightful possibility. What's that? Sam and Harvey may be delayed, dear. You and I may have several more charming days together here on the mountain. How's the food situation? There's plenty. That's good. Speaking of food, what about dinner? I haven't thought about it. Coffee on the stove. Mm. Will you join me in a cup? Thanks, no. Oh, it's a shame to waste that gorgeous fire, isn't it, dear? If Arturo were only here... Suzanne, will I... you stop it? You've made yourself perfectly clear. I know what you're going to do, and I know how you're going to do it, and there's nothing more to be said. I can't stand this jabbing and picking any longer. I can't stand <laughs> On second thought, I'll make my own coffee. It's safer that way.
4: By midnight, the temperature outside the cabin drops to 20 below zero. And at 1.30 in the morning, the blizzard sweeps in from the north. The mercury falls another 10 degrees. You're forced to cooperate with it now, aren't you, Leah? The two of you take turns all night getting out of bed to put wood on the fire. The night seems endless, but morning finally comes. A raw, gray morning with that stabbing north wind still piling the drifts higher and higher outside.
6: Well, you finally made it. I thought you were never going to get up. Did you happen to look out your window this morning? Leah. We're snow? in, my perfidious friend, all snug and cozy. Yeah. There's something the matter. I, I don't You're know. You're looking why. particularly stupid this morning, Suzanne. Oh. If I didn't know you better, I'd think you had a hangover. What's the matter with you? Why are you fumbling around there in the doorway? Leah, oh, I can't. I can't see. Leah, I'm blind. i am blind. What? Oh. Come out here in the light. Oh. Look out for the table. Oh. Oh. I can't I can't see. Your eyes are all in oh. flames. I'm blind. I've gone blind. Suzanne, were you crazy oh, enough to go out without your sunglasses yesterday? Sunglasses? You stayed out all day, the sun glaring on the snow. Suzanne, you're snow blind. Snow blind? Well, it's only temporary, isn't it? Two days, perhaps. Not, not more than two days. Harvey will will be here today. I... Harvey won't be here today. Probably not tomorrow either. If you could see, you'd know why. The road is blocked, and the storm's getting worse. <laughs> no, I think you'll have to rely on me, darling, to be your seeing eye. You'll freeze to death in there. Well. <laughs> you do have a large mouth, Suzanne, but it doesn't extend as far as you've daubed that lip. You're cruel, Leah. You'd like to see me like this. you think it's funny. It will go away, though. You said so yourself. I- I'll be all right tomorrow. I'll be able to see tomorrow. I'm not afraid of you, Leah. Afraid of me? <laughs> well, why should you be? Let me guide you to a chair by the fire, darling. Don't touch me. I I can get there. I can... I can feel my way. Better let me help you, darling. No! I'll... i just sit right here. Well, now, what are we going to have for dinner, huh? How about a couple of nice poached eggs on toast and a steaming cup of coffee? I don't want anything. Oh, but it's all cooked. Smell good? I don't want any. Well, you haven't eaten since last night, dear. You've got to have food. Look, you're shivering. I'll tell you what, I mean, I'll tell you. You're cold, darling. Couldn't you possibly force just to swallow this hot coffee down? Do you a world of good. Here. Smell. Good. All right. I'll take the coffee. That's better. Here, I'd better warm it up from the kitchen. You know, I never really explored this cabin until today. There are all kinds of interesting things in the cellar. Sam's really quite a trapper, you know. All his equipment's there, the scrapers for the skins, the frames, the traps. There you are, dear. I put sugar in it. And a big box of some kind of arsenic he uses to cure the hide. Arsenic? Ah, gets rid of the vermin. Come on, dear, drink up. Do you good? No, I don't want it. Take it away. Oh, Suzanne, you're priceless.
4: No, Leah, that would be too crude, wouldn't it? It would never work with inquisitive examiners and autopsies. You rejected poison at the start when you first began thinking about killing her. You're just playing with her like a cat with a mouse. You've thought of a better way, haven't you? A perfect, foolproof way.
6: Leah. Leah, you've gone. You've left me. I'm right here, darling. Oh. Why why didn't you answer, Leah? I've been thinking. Of what? Of you? Of me? Of our beautiful friends. Leah, I want to tell you something. Leah, you, you know I'm your friend. Oh, of course, the, of course, you're my dear, dear friend, and Sam's too, especially Sam. It's not what you think, Leah. Oh, I'm spare not... me, darling. I'm not interested in listening to you unburden your soul, even when there's no other entertainment available. But Leah, I want you to know you this. I you... nothing. I want to hear from you. Where, where are you going, Leah? I'm getting our coats and snowshoes. Oh, oh what? Our coats and snowshoes. We have to get another load of wood. Unless you want to sit in here and freeze today. I dare not go outside. I can't see. And I can't pull that loaded sleigh alone. We'll get along. I'll guide you. You fall down out there, you won't hurt yourself. The snow is soft. Very soft, Suzanne. It even gets warm after a while. Here. Here's your coat and mittens and scarf for your head. I won't go out there. I will Listen to that wind couldn't find a way to that bled you. i would get to that woodshed blindfold. Come on, put on these things. I can't. I can't. But no. you will. You no. will. No. No. Here. No. Now, put on these things. No. Oh, Leah. Leah, you hold my arm. You won't let go of me. I'll hold your arm. And when we get outside, you can hold on to the rope. Ready? Come on, then. lay up to the shed and load it. Oh, wait. <laughs> Leave me to the shed so I can stand up.
4: miss. You had an argument and she walked out of the house, said she was going to Cedar Village, that she couldn't stand you anymore. You tried to tell her she'd never make it, but she insisted on leaving, and that's all you know. Yes, it's perfect. No weapons, no blows or marks, just her frozen body, 200 yards from the house, far enough so you couldn't have heard her over the storm. You can't hear her now anymore as you pile wood into the sled. Probably staggered further in the wrong direction. You need plenty of wood, Leah. Make it a full load, enough to carry you through tomorrow. There you are, pilot high. One from the side. One from the end. Look out. Remember what Suzanne said about pulling one out from the center.
3: Strange tale, A Curious Story, Death Laughs Last. The Whistler is broadcast for your entertainment by the marketers of Signal Gasoline and Motor Oil and fine quality automotive accessories and by your neighborhood Signal dealer. This program directed by George W. Allen with tonight's story by Virginia Teal, music by Wilbur Hatch is transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is Marvin Miller speaking and suggesting that you try New Signal, the new gasoline you can prove is superior. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: That was Death Wears a White Robe from The Whistler, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was a listener request from Kate, who asked us to do that episode of The Whistler, written by Virginia Teal. In the opening, uh, Joshua, you wrote uh, about The Whistler, that he uses his omniscience as a narrator to peer into the minds criminals, describe the thoughts, taunt them over their mistakes, and take great pleasure in their eventual downfalls. That's, to a T, what this was. <laughs> <laughs> this was a classic Mwah! example of that. Uh, here's a quick question. Death Wears a White Robe is in reference to her being covered in snow, right?
1: That's all I could come up okay, with. Yep. That's, yeah.
0: Okay, so I wasn't alone in the... What's going on with the white I robe? I just imagine
1: boy? them in white robes the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> like they have stolen them from the yeah. hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Every
2: time
0: I see a white robe, I'm like, oh, I took that off the hanger and I got $120 on
2: my bill. <laughs> Before we get too far into this, I would like to address Kate directly. I don't know if you know this, Kate, but I frequently listen to radio programs commuting back and forth to work. And we are in like week five or six of Uh some incredible, god-awful winter that just will not end. And for as much as I really enjoyed this episode for reasons I will discuss later, this was excruciating to go through. (laughs) Before we go any further,
0: let me address Kate directly. (laughs) Kate, we are in the middle of a god-awful winter here in Minnesota with lots of snow and blizzardy stuff. And I really enjoy winter, <laughs> unlike everybody else in Minnesota who decides to live here, even though they hate it.
1: Let me address Eric directly. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong. I am. I have been
0: thoroughly enjoying this winter. And in fact, Tim, as much as you were saying, you were thinking while listening to this, thanks for reminding me of what it is right outside my door and the nightmare of cars getting stuck or all that, I was. Revelling in one of my notes is, ah, blizzard sound effects and howling wind. And it was howling while I was listening to this and the snow was blowing. And I was like, I
2: really like winter. I was literally listening to a person walking around, lost, dying in the snow as I'm going from my bus to where I work. <laughs> wondering if you would yes, get there alive. I, I can't look. I just have to hope I can hear the bell of the sleigh soon.
0: <laughs> I think it did a really great job of capturing the loneliness of a blizzard and winter and the terror of it. But I had that moment when the boys weren't coming back. Forget that they were at odds and you know one of them was going to kill the other one. Forget that. It's the idea of, ooh, we're trapped inside. And I go, Yay! <laughs> I love when winter traps me inside. And especially if I have a warning and I can get
2: to the store and stock up. I hope this lasts for three days. So, your alternate version of the story, much less horror, just like three days of. It's like a lock in. Yeah. <laughs> chips and salsa. Yeah, chips,
0: salsa. They had cable.
2: <laughs> they binged,
0: watched
1: everything they'd ever thought they could. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's snow blind. At least she can't see the snow.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To get to the actual episode, though, it was fantastic. This sort of story is just delicious fun for me. Like these two people who are just... Trying to one up each other, how much they hate, how petty they can be. Of just, mm-hmm. I can be more petty. I can be even more petty. Mm-hmm. Oh, the joy of this episode
1: is listening to them take jabs at each other. Yeah, just nonstop.
0: I like the ups and downs of who has got the upper hand. Yeah, go- that goes back and forth. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you apparently uh, swallowed your lipstick while eating that hamburger. <laughs> <It's my favorite laughs> <Yeah. one. laughs>
0: Yeah. You don't need
1: as much when you're on the right side of 30.
0: <laughs> when you're on the right side of 30, it's one of my notes, yeah? But
1: you mentioned the ups and downs, and what's interesting, there's at least one clever part of the script where Leah is definitely on top. She zings Suzanne with a number of great insults. And then when Suzanne reveals the stuff about the pianist... Um, <laughs> uh, uh, childish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, she, Kate. She brings <laughs> Leah's insults back. Oh, yeah. Leah insults Suzanne's makeup, and then there's that part where, oh, Leah, are you blushing? I can't tell through that makeup. She lists the specific type of makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another thing where Leah then says, I won't let you do this, and what are you going to do? I'm the strong rangy type, remember? <laughs> and so it's, just, it's clever writing.
0: Yeah. There are a couple of quick issues that I had with it. That I want to throw out there. One, they are really wrong. Snowshoes are not fun. <laughs> I've done my fair share of snowshoeing, and that is a means to an end, not an activity of fun. It's up there with cross-country skiing. You're kidding yourself. That is not fun.
2: That is out-and-out work. <laughs> That's getting yourself to the hill where you can do downhill skiing. <laughs> right. That, right. And it becomes
0: fun. <laughs> The other thing, we talk a lot about how it's very necessary, uh, even to this day in a radio drama, of differentiating voices. It can become cartoony, but that's on purpose so that we can keep track of what's going on in our It head. was work to keep them this apart. This was work. I had a really hard time differentiating the two voices. And there wasn't enough difference between them, not only voice-wise, but personality-wise for what they were saying. Yeah. It was kind of the same person in a lot of ways that made it hard to keep track of until she went snow blind and spent the last 10 minutes begging for her life.
1: They did do some differentiation, but it was subtle. Suzanne had a more formal diction Leo was a
2: little little less. Higher pitched and breathy. Yeah. uh, But that faded, I think. So Mm -hmm. when when it started out, it seemed pretty clear, but then it it got muddy in the middle, I thought.
0: That made it hard to follow the plot sometimes. But then I gave up because I realized none of that was important. (laughs) It didn't matter who was who and who was trying to sleep with whose husband and who was doing what. It doesn't matter. This is two people trapped in a cabin who hate mm-hmm. each other in mm-hmm. a blizzard and an ideal situation is coming for one to get it, rid of the other it, one. And is, that's really what the story
2: is. It's a lady studying wax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a different tone, different genre, etc., etc. But it really reminded me of Death Becomes Her, the Goldie Hawn, Meryl Streep movie. It's really good. Robert <laughs> Zemeckis directed it.
0: <laughs> I've heard of it.
2: This cartoonishly uh, horribly violent thing of these two women are having this this back and forth bickering and ultimately it goes on so long that it's just over nothing. There's no longer any prize to be won except for winning. Right.
1: Uh, here there,
2: it might be the conventions of the
1: time I think they're trying to be subtle about some of the reasons. It's very clear that Suzanne is in love with Sam um, yeah. because she's just is so it? Well, taken. was that
0: really clear to you? I just got done saying I couldn't follow any of that.
1: Well, I don't even know if I would say it was in love. Just wanted what Leah had. Yes. <laughs> uh, when Sam is showing them around the cabin at the top of the radio show, yeah. and Suzanne's just, fa- oh, did right. you make that? Fireplace yourself, and oh, yeah, yeah. and Sam is just—he's an a, architect. Yeah, he's such a dork. He's like,
2: oh, I'll put a little bell on this sled. <laughs> like, it took me six hours. <laughs> That's so creative of you. So your team, Leah, is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I am. Because I wonder if you're supposed to be, and maybe this is a modern ears again, going back and listening. But we have that one distressing scene when Leah decides to test the water about an affair and see how Sam would respond and it's just this really distressing scene where he basically says I'll kill you. Yeah. At this point Leah's actually fighting for her life now. It's Mm. no longer petty. We do know the stakes are that if Suzanne tells Harvey who tells Sam whatever (laughs) convoluted plot she has going, Leah's life could be in danger which makes the whole cat and mouse game after that a little more complex. And it adds another interesting layer in that it's written by a woman who treats Mm -hmm. this as sort of just a matter-of-fact thing. Yep, that would be the situation of this woman.
0: Tim made the joke about Team Leah, and, and just what you were talking about as well leads me to this problem I have with it that there's nobody to root for. I don't find either one of them particularly likable or someone I can root for. And I also found, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but... I found how this was written to be somewhat misogynistic and difficult in the sense of, yeah, two catty women, they'll get theirs.
1: I don't have that issue with it because it's an actual suspense thriller Mm -hmm. in which two women get to be the miserable people trying to kill each Maybe other, just... right? You know, because usually they just get thrown to the side of the storyline, right? It would right. be about two right, men. So. Here, the women get the best role in the script. They're um, competing to see who's yeah. the bigger villain. Yep. <laughs> Harvey is just sidelined. He's just talked
2: about. That would usually be a female role. <laughs> and talked poorly
1: about. Yes. <laughs> I been. would
2: like to speak up for the benefits of pudgy bald guys, because <laughs> we got a lot going for us.
0: Yeah, that was mean, too.
2: <laughs> but do you drink bicarbonate? <laughs> not exclusively.
0: So maybe I'm just overly sensitive to it.
2: Well, if it had been a, a male writer, it'd be like that's a different sort of take on it. Of... I think if it had
1: been a male writer, the insults would not have been anywhere near as clever. Absolutely. And they are both capable. They're just capable of horrible things. <laughs> but these are two very
2: capable women. But I also felt like a where she, where she is like you have to believe me, you're my best friend. (laughs) I I wonder if, like, that's maybe a little true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess when I say there was no one to root for, I think, I need to take a step back and realize that that... Well, I think you're right. But that is a trope in the sense that that happens in a study in wax, as
1: an example. Well, it happens in most episodes of The Whistler. The Whistler is usually following the criminal.
2: That's a tough story to write. You have to have something else to compel you other than sympathy for the characters.
1: And for me, I did sympathize with Leah once I knew her husband could potentially kill her for this indiscretion. Mm True. And Suzanne, like Tim said, was petty and just wants what Leah wants.
0: Do you think a few days later, when the men came home, they were like, yes.
2: (laughs) They embraced slowly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was wondering. Where are these (laughs) dudes?
2: Now that
0: solves that. (laughs) Because they aren't likable. There is a great line in here that I have never heard before. Getting someone a fresh cup of coffee, I'll get you a warm-it-up from the kitchen. (laughs) I wrote that down, and I am going to use that in some script somewhere. I'm just going to call a script, I'll get you a (laughs) (laughs) warm-it-up. I think we all knew the setup for the... uh,
2: Chekhov's woodpile. Chekhov's (laughs) woodpile. Totally got it on schedule when the script wanted me to get it and not any sooner. Oh, really?
1: She does it very cleverly as in you go oh this wood pile's important but then she keeps avoiding the wood pile for so long cuz I thought oh she's snowblind what she's doing is she's going to lure mm-hmm. Suzanne out there and knock the wood pile on her and then when that didn't happen oh, I'm what
2: happened to the wood pile? So I went in different routes. So I had the bell in my head. I am like, ah, oh, the bell, that's important. The bell Yes,
0: me too. Well it did become important a little bit.
2: It did. When she couldn't hear it anymore. But then I forgot about the wood pile details until right. she actually goes there and take one for the left, take one to the right, and like, oh yeah, wood pile.
0: I also love that about the Whistler that he's there. Then at that just point, enjoying it. just <laughs> enjoying. Was a, a
2: Don't forget front. the
1: last piece of wood, <laughs> the one that will bring it all on, down on top of you. Well,
2: when the door slams and it just goes right into the whistle, it's like, ah, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's really creepy. It's
0: also uh, hard to listen to the Whistler when he's doing that when you realize that could be Dennis the Menace's neighbor or uh, Lucille Ball's boss. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you Only you struggle them. with that <laughs> <laughs> The other cool bit with the woodpile That made me laugh And I think the way it was maybe intended to Is when Suzanne just freaks out Don't take that piece of wood And mm-hmm. she goes, look out And then there's this thunk no. <laughs> Just like <laughs> one piece of wood coming out <laughs> It was really clever And it's a great bit of foley too yeah. uh, Where are you <laughs> Oh, so I guess the wood pile isn't dangerous, but it's got to be dangerous. And so that was my struggle throughout it.
0: I had a weird moment. I've listened to a lot of Whistler, and I had a weird moment that had never occurred to me before. Intros of old time radio shows where they have that standard thing who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men or Adventures by Morris do you like blood and thunder. You know, yeah. I, I love intros, and I love this intro to the show that they repeat every time until this time I went, wait. Why does the whistler know so many things? Because he walks at night. <laughs> and I realized, oh, it just sounds poetic. That doesn't yeah, really just, make any it sense. It just sounds cool. Yeah. yeah, it just sounds cool, but you don't really get any advantage.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you can see him he walks by at night. You see him in bars. Like, I got this radio show. Do you guys got any good stories? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just, I just realized, oh, that's just written to sounds like something, but it's not anything. I
1: don't know which actor this is as the Whistler, but he's one of my least favorites. There's another actor I really like, and maybe it's uh, the guy who did it for the longest and got credit. Who's just, Foreman? Yeah, who's extra sardonic. He's like, meh. <laughs> and then I, I just enjoy a little more uh,
2: scenery chewing out of my uh, narrators. Well, let's throw it to the vote. Tim? Uh, I think this definitely stands the test of time. The script is really sharp it's very fun to listen to uh unless it's winter in which case it's
1: excruciating
2: (laughs) so thank you so much for suggesting this kate i loved it please hold off on any winter themed suggestions again for maybe a year or so kate if you'd like to get me pick an
0: episode where it's super hot and there's a lot of mosquitoes (laughs) In the middle of August in Minnesota, and then I will be mad.
2: It's like half the episodes of Escape. <laughs> right? You can find it be a temperate episode.
0: <laughs> Something in the
2: fall. A breeze, like but you know, it's, it's, there's still sunshine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are three fuzzy old men.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this stands the test of time. My complaints about it were more for discussion than actual putting my foot down. I wanted to hear what you had to th- say about... Those things, I actually came around a little bit during this discussion on on certain things. Like I've said before, I'll listen to Sergeant Preston in the Yukon just to hear winter <laughs> blizzard sounds, because I love it. And that ain't great.
2: <laughs>
0: well, it's also aimed at nine-year-olds. Uh, I, I won't throw classic on it, just because I've decided, as Joshua has in this new year, to really... Give those out sparingly, but it was very enjoyable. And thank you so much for bringing it. Yeah, to us.
1: I, it definitely stands the test of time. There are some antiquated moments, uh, said with the sort of cat fights between the women, but I think it's innovative for its time to place these women in these roles Mm -hmm. and have the story be about their fight and their struggle even though it's a petty awful murderous (laughs) struggle but it it just made it so enjoyable to listen to because it's it's formulaic but that little twist
2: just made it fascinating and fun so thank you so much kate tim tell them stuff please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. you'll find other episodes of this podcast there you'll also find information about our live shows because we do live shows. It's also a great way to get a hold of us where if, if you have a request for something you'd like us to listen to and talk about, we'll do it eventually. Um, you can do that by leaving a comment on, on episodes. You can contact us through our Facebook link or Twitter or Instagram, or there's also just a straight up contact page to contact us.
1: Yeah, you can also go to iTunes and write a review. Please do. Uh, reviews help us out a lot. We've got a lot of very good reviews. So if you've written a review, thank you. But, you know, uh, get a new name and write another one. That's <laughs> that's, that's how it works on the internet, right? Um, also, you can go to um, patreon.com slash themorals and support this podcast. We've got all sorts of fantastic rewards for listeners, membership cards, buttons, a secret monthly episode of the podcast, T-shirts. It's crazy. Support us. It's crazy. We're desperate. <laughs>
0: If you're going to write a review, just write it under the name Virginia Teal. Because <laughs> apparently no one will get mad. So will get a
1: second writing request. <laughs> That's great.
0: Coming up next, uh, a milestone for yes. the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society as we hit episode 125.
1: Yes, and in honor of that, we will be listening to the very first episode of The Shadow entitled Death House Rescue. Until then. <laughs>